Aptus Podcast 134. Satisfaction over disappointment. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Those are allegedly the last words of Leonardo da Vinci. Those seem like odd choices to me. See, da Vinci purported last words just show how he was a perfectionist by nature and he had high standards that he set for his artistic and scientific endeavors. He was known to be ruthless and relentless in his pursuit of excellence. He had a tendency to have a high level of self-criticism. He often left many works unfinished because he was constantly seeking to improve and perfect them, and he just couldn't put the paintbrush down, so to speak, from time to time. In his later years, he had a sense of disappointment and inadequacy regarding his work and his life, and you know his alleged last words kind of show that. And what's interesting about his words, it just shows that he had this high level of dissatisfaction in his life. You know, he didn't walk away from his work feeling like he accomplished his mission. And I think that there's a lot of ministers that feel the same way. They don't feel like they're actually accomplishing the work that they set out to do. There's a lot of disappointment because there's this comparison envy in their life. There's a lot of frustration because they have desires for unrealistic uh, perfection. There's a lot of heartache because they don't feel like they're achieving their dreams. And I think that all high-capacity leaders are going to struggle with this dynamic from time to time. However, as Christian ministers, we also have to remember that we're doing the work for Christ, and he's the one that called us. And so I, I truly believe when you realize that Christ has called us, he's equipped us, he's laid out the path for us, that we should be able to live life and ministry in such a way that when we look at the totality of what we are doing for him, that we have satisfaction, not disappointment. I believe the core of who I am, that if we walk away dissatisfied from the work of the Lord, then we're doing something wrong. You see, Jesus told us to take his yoke because it is easy and his burden is light. And what that means is that every single one of us have a tailor-made purpose in life. And so we should have a, a sense of deep satisfaction in the work that we're doing for the Lord. Da Vinci was basically apologizing for his work. But you know who did not apologize for the work that he did? That was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul did not apologize for what he had done. Now, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts is chapter 20. And it's a a passage that I've taught on many times because I I think there's just so many principles in there that every time you open and start reading this passage, just more things come to light. And what's interesting about this, this passage is that the Apostle Paul is having a conversation with the Ephesian elders. And this is an important season in the life of the apostle because he has just finished two years of ministry in Ephesus and now he's journeying to Jerusalem knowing that when he gets there that he's going to be arrested and that he doesn't know what the end is going to be in fact he in this conversation we're about to read he's uncertain and he says to them he says you're never going to see me again so he knows he's at the end of one season and he's making some very positive remarks at the end of that season and I think that's really important because I, I think a lot of ministers, when they get to an end of a season, they, they, they feel more disappointment than satisfaction. And, and I don't believe that we have to live that way. When we're being obedient to the Lord, ministry is not going to be easy. Some things are going to fail, and sometimes we are going to be frustrated. However, I believe that there's mindsets, there's habits that will allow you to be effective in your calling so that when you get to the end of that work, you have a sense of satisfaction and not a sense of disappointment. And so I want to look in this passage, and there are eight things that the Apostle Paul said about his ministry that I think each of us should strive to to say about our ministry. These are are statements of a satisfied minister. And I think that we should be speaking these statements in faith today 
that they're going to be true tomorrow. We know from scripture that the power of life and death is in our tongue. And I'm concerned that too many ministers are speaking death over their ministry in their point of, of, of frustration. I know I've done that. I know I've been guilty of that. There's no argument that, that Paul had it worse than we do. He had all the reasons in the world to complain, but rather he spoke life about the ministry assignment that God had given him. And I believe because of his positive mindset and habits that there are things that he spoke that became true in his ministry. So they can also be true for us. So we want to look at the apostle's words. We want to look at his positive statements. And we want to start speaking those words and those statements in our ministry today so that we're satisfied, so that we're not laying on our, de- our deathbed apologizing for all of our, quote, failures. So what, what were some of the things that the apostle said about his ministry? What are some true statements that we need to say about our ministry? Well, the first statement of a satisfied minister is this. I served the Lord, and I did not perform for the crowd. Picking up in Acts chapter number 20, starting verse number 17, here's what it says. Now from Miltus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I stepped foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. You see, Paul knew that his first calling was to serve the Lord, not people. And this is how he was able to, to carry on in the midst of extreme pain and disappointment. This is how, this is how he was able to uh, withstand physical attack to the point that they thought they had killed him, and he was able to get up and walk back into the city. He understood that he was serving the Lord, not man. You know, it's easy to forget that our first calling is to serve the Lord and that people are second. You know, a lot of us love people, as we should. We're ministers. We, we love the church. And so we start serving people, and we think that that's our first calling. And so when people disappoint us, we feel like they did not care about our sacrifice that we've made to them. And when we get to that point, we're going to have a very difficult time not getting disappointed and disenchanted in ministry. When we feel like we're serving people before we're serving Christ, it's unintentional, but it's easy to fall into that trap. And inevitably, people are going to fail us. So we need to make sure that in our mindsets— and our statements about what we're doing. We're serving the Lord first. We're not serving people. People are a byproduct of our obedience to Christ. And when we keep Christ first and foremost, he never disappoints us. He never lets us down. He will never fail to satisfy. Second statement of a satisfied minister is this. I completed my assignment and I left it all in the field. Picking up in verse 20, Paul went on to say this. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything That was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of the repentance towards God and the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that the Apostle Paul fulfilled the totality of his calling by giving people everything that they would need of profit. You know, as ministers, I think we need to be diligent to preach everything to people for their profitability. And I think the word profitable is very interesting in this passage. You know, when you think about what a profit is, it is something of value. It's a return on your investment. And I think it could be said this, if people are investing their time to listen to your messages or sit underneath your leadership, then there needs to be something spiritual that is returned to them that is of greater value than their time. And here's the temptation, the struggle in that is that preaching what is profitable is oftentimes not entertaining. 
Sometimes what is profitable in people's lives is not what they want to hear. It is not entertaining. And Paul knew this, and yet he could still say that he was innocent of anyone's blood, as he'll say here in just a little bit, because if someone heard him preach, then they heard the clear, full message of the gospel. And that's a sobering standard for us. You know, we can have great events, but do people hear the gospel? You know, they can laugh during the skit, but did they know who Jesus is when we were done? They jumped to the music, but was the gospel of increased value in their heart? Let's make sure that we complete our assignment by giving people what is profitable. Third statement of a satisfied minister. I walked in vulnerable obedience. Picking up in verse 22, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. You see, Paul had this perfect balance of vulnerability in his obedience. I mean, he's being vulnerable with these people. He's telling them, like, look, I don't know what's about to happen. I just know that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. He, he's being vulnerable. And yet in his vulnerability, he's showing how to be obedient to the Lord. And if we're going to be satisfied in ministry, then we're going to have to make sure not to put ourselves on a pedestal. We're, we're going to have to have a healthy level of vulnerability. Now, I'm not saying bleed all over everybody, but I think that there is there is a level of vulnerability that's important. It's beneficial for you because it keeps you humble it's also good for the crowd because they need to know that you're not perfect and it gives them hope that if you're not perfect that perhaps the Lord can love them. But when we when we start putting ourselves at such high positions without vulnerable vulnerability and obedience, then we're going to be dissatisfied because we can't live up to the own expectations that we have set for ourselves. So vulnerable, vulnerable obedience is, I think, really kind of the backbone of a satisfied minister. I'm just trying to obey Jesus. That's all I'm trying to do. And, and I'm not perfect. And I know that problems are going to arise. When you keep that attitude, you're going to be satisfied. Fourth statement of a satisfied minister. I valued the call more than my comfort. Picking up in verse 24, he went on to say this, but I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, Jesus made it very clear that when we are trying to save our life, we're going to lose it. But when we are willing to lose our life for him, that's when we save it. And, and the apostle knew this. He valued his call more than his own comfort, and that allowed him to get to experience God's grace in his life in a way that very few of us ever will. His, his, his value of the call opened doors for him and contributed a large part to his ministry success. I don't know about you, but I hold on to too many things. Sometimes I value possessions over God's presence. Sometimes I value time over my calling. Sometimes I value my comfort over progress. And when we start getting to that place, we're starting to have a self-centered life. And, and before long, disappointment is going to come in because there's never enough. We're always worried about more. But when we value just being obedient to what Christ has called us to do, then that's the place where we start finding satisfaction because that's something that can be attained. And notice that we're saying calling, not the church. We're, we're, we're to be obedient to the calling of the Lord. We're, we're not saying that we need to devalue the church over our comfort. You know, because here's the problem. When we start putting the church there, that's the same thing going back to people. We're, we're, we're putting people over obedience. And when you remember that we're serving the Lord first and foremost, so that's why we value the calling over our comfort, because the Lord's calling is good for us. And we want to live for those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Fifth statement of a satisfied minister, I was vigilant 
to protect those in my care. Pick it up in verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of all the, of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. What is important to see here is that he is saying that the flock is something that Christ has purchased with his own blood and that he was vigilant to protect them and to care for them. He was vigilant to protect them from an enemy. And here's what we have to understand is that Christ has said, here is my bride. I need you to take care of her and watch over her. By the way, an enemy is coming. Now, if if I went to you, and particularly if you're a male, and said, hey, look, I have to go away. I know there's an enemy coming to attack my house. Will, will you help watch and protect my family? If you said yes to that and agreed to that, you're going to be vigilant because you know the enemy's coming. And here's the deal. The enemy's coming for the people in your care. He, he's coming for their marriage. He's coming for their identity. He's coming for their salvation. So we have to be vigilant to help protect the flock. How do we stay vigilant? Well, we make sure that we preach good doctrine to combat bad doctrine. We make sure that we promote unity over division. We make sure we, we give passionate vision to overcome apathy. Because those are really the three ways in which the enemy is attacking the church today. False doctrine, division, and apathy. And if we can combat those things and we're protecting the flock, and here's what's going to happen, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be satisfied. The sixth statement of a satisfied minister, I weathered the disappointment without being broken. Picking up in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after themselves. You know, I, I'm not sure if there was a minister who experienced more disappointment than the minist- in the ministry than the Apostle Paul did. I mean, he had people leave the faith. He had people slander him. He had people abandon him. However, he weathered that disappointment with so much grace. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. We have to get ready for disappointment to come our way. And unfortunately, the greatest disappointment you will ever experience in ministry are those inside the circle next to you. Notice what he said. Fierce wolves are going to arise from among you, from within. You know, there's going to be outsiders that are going to try to tear apart the church. But every time outsiders try to tear apart the church, the church gets stronger. But there will be leaders inside the church who try to tear it apart and get people to fall after them. And unfortunately, from time to time, they're going to be successful. And in those moments... When somebody abandons, leaves, slanders, draws a crowd with them, in those moments, you, you can only weather that disappointment through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you, you can't get disenchanted in those moments. You, you have to remember who called you and why you're called and to walk forward. Seventh statement of a satisfied minister. I gave more than I got. Verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver 
or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, the apostle gave more than he received. And there's going to be moments of ministry where you're pouring out and you're like, man, I'm giving more than I'm getting. But it's in those moments that you're, you're, you're walking with the same heartbeat of the Lord Jesus who gave exponentially, insurmountably more than we have ever gave to him or could ever give back to him. And that's a place of satisfaction. That's a place of satisfaction. You know, I think a lot of ministers feel like they've been taken advantage of because they've given so much and, and they've received so little back. And, and I don't think we can say that in our church. I feel like people love us and encourage us and all that stuff. All that, all of that, for sure. We're we're blessed here, but at the end of the day, we need to ask ourselves: Am I? What what's the flow here of grace? Is, am am I giving more than I'm getting? And if the answer is yes, then you need to take solace in the fact that you're reflecting Christ, and that's a place that can bring deep satisfaction. Let me give you the last one. Eighth statement of a satisfied minister: I loved Christ's bride well. Verse thirty six. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the words he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accomplished him, accompanied him to the ship. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago that almost every transition in ministry causes pain. It doesn't need to. Someone's going to be disappointed. It's just a reality. But I hope that we run our race in such a way that when we finish our journey, it's with it's in, with embraces and tears of joy. And I think that can be a reality for us. And, and that will be a reality for us when we love Christ's bride well. You know, again, we have to remember that these people aren't perfect. But when we love Christ's bride well, then everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. So these are the eight statements of a satisfied minister. And I, I think these are things that we want to speak over ourselves These are things that I think are going to be beneficial to us. So remember these statements. I served the Lord and I didn't dance for the crowd. I completed my assignment and left it all on the field. I walked in vulnerable obedience to Christ. I valued the call more than my comfort. I was vigilant to protect those in my care. I weathered disappointment without being broken. I gave more than I got and I loved Christ's bride well. When those are our statements, that is the recipe of a satisfied minister. God bless.